Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Tonight we welcome Pastor Russ Cripps from Acacia Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I just want to ask you a question real quick, and it's just simply this. We all love the story of the underdog, don't we? Uh, the, the, the concept of the underdog is the very reason that every one of you can still remember the childhood fable of the tortoise and the hare. I could go on for hours about films that you've seen or literature that you've read or life in general, but there's just something extraordinarily compelling about rooting for the expected loser to defy all odds and come out victorious. There's an author by the name of Malcolm Gladwell, and he writes like this. It's on the screen, I believe. He says this. He says, the underdog gives hope. The underdog story gives hope. The underdog story gives hope to all of us who are not on top. That is the story. That is what makes the story of the underdog so compelling. That's what it's really all about. It's really ultimately simply about hope. And right there, in that one little moment, you see the spiritual significance of the term underdog. Because whenever we talk about the story of the underdog, we think that it's our story. We think that it's the story of victory that will supersede our own story of defeat. We We think that it's this story of hope that will help complete our own story. Romans 3.23 says it very plainly. It just simply says, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one in here among us tonight that you are perfect in all of your ways. There's not one among us who don't fumble the ball and stumble the ball. And that's why we're all drawn to the story of of an underdog because for the most part it's our own story and so the underdog is this definition that goes like this it's this competitor that is thought to have little chance of winning of a, a, a fight or a contest it's a person that has very little status in society but an overcomer but an overcomer is just the exact opposite of what the underdog is it's someone who who goes from the bottom side of potential and they start living life on the top side of potential. It's, it's someone who allows faith to come into their world and that faith just absolutely and radically changes everything. We're drawn to that because there's something so compelling about rooting for this loser to defy all odds and come out victorious. We're drawn to the story of being an overcomer instead of an underdog because it's just our stories. But here's what I've come to preach to you today. And it's so simple. I stand in the pulpit where I fully understand that you guys get great preaching week in and week out. And you can say amen to that. That's okay. So I understand that I've got a tall drink of water here in front of me. But I've come tonight to tell you something so simple. You have permission And you have the authority to shift your mentality from being an underdog to an overcomer. Through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, you have the ability and you have the authority to stop looking at things as if they are half empty and start looking at things as if they are half full. 
So here's the thing. If you've been waiting for permission, I put it up on the screen. If you've been waiting for permission, I hereby tonight declare this. You have permission to believe that God wants to save you and use you. Because here's what we do. We come in as the underdog and we look around at all these shiny, happy people. little R.E.M. reference for all you 80s fans. You look at all these shiny, happy people and they know when to clap their hands and they know when to stand up and they know when to say amen and they know what the offering is all about and what the family fest and trunks and treats. You understand all the lingo and the language and you think, well, that's all cool and good, but I just don't know if God could help me be able to slip into that type of living. So you think, I don't know, maybe he does save everybody, but I don't know if he could... If they could use everybody. So tonight, I just want to give you permission. I want to give you consent. I want to give you approval. I want to give you the okay to realize that God wants to grasp you and baptize you with His Spirit and raise you up to live a life of utter and complete spiritual abundance. Put your hands together and say amen to that. I heard a fantastic story on Friday that will help me paint the backdrop of what we're trying to build from this morning. And one more little disclaimer. Your pastor's a master storyteller. So if I tell a story tonight, if I make a reference tonight that he's already covered, even Sunday or last Wednesday, would you just laugh anyway with me? Would you just kind of make me feel really good about it? Just act like it's the funniest thing you've ever heard in all your life. Just help me out. It's a six-year-old girl. She lived with her parents who were not cat people. Is there anybody in the house who is not a cat person? Yes, I feel you. No offense. You, I know there's some serious cat lovers. You might want to fight me right now. I'm just not a cat person. Uh, well, I started to say they might go to heaven, but I don't know if they're going to go to heaven or not. Dogs do, though, don't they? Dogs rule. See, that's not even my notes. Y'all got that for free. Let me hurry up. Six-year-old girl who lived with her parents, and they were not cat people, but she wanted a cat, and she wanted a cat bath. Daily, she would ask them, please, 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 can I have a cat? They went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Any parents in the house ever gone through that pet conversation? Yes, I know you have. Goldfish and and parrots and and all these different different things that kids want, but you, you go back and forth. And so she wants a cat really bad. Her dad was a preacher, and one Sunday he preached a message on faith. And she thought, I'm going to see if this whole faith business works out here. And so she goes out in the backyard. And the mom happened to see her go out into the backyard. And she opens the door so she can hear what's going on. And this little girl gets down on her knees because she wants to pray where the cat is going to be living. She's like speaking this into existence, okay? And she, she kneels down and she says, dear Jesus... I heard my daddy talking about having faith and, and I heard him talking about how strong and powerful you are. She, she's kind of massaging the Lord. She's like bragging on him. He, you're strong and you're powerful, Lord. So if, if you will, would you please help me get a cat? I'll take real good care of it. I'll feed it and I'll water it and I'll love it and I'll bathe it. And right there I can tell you she don't know what she's getting herself into if she's going to try to bathe a cat. But she said, just please, Lord Jesus, help me get a cat. Allegedly, this is a true story. Heard it Friday. As soon as the girl was saying these closing words to the prayer and about to get up off of her knees, a cat falls down out of the sky. It's 
panicked because the cat does not know what's going on. The girl is panicked and she realized that the Lord had just answered her prayer. And she picked up the cat and does a little Holy Ghost dance right there. The mom had seen everything that was going on. And the husband gets home and she said, we got to talk. She tells the whole story to the preacher, to the, to the dad. And, and she said, honey, we're at, a, we're, at a, we're at a critical place because if we don't let her keep that cat, she's going to become like an atheist or something. This is a, it's a critical moment of our parenting. We've got to let her keep the cat. So they let her keep the cat. And one week later, the dad's taking out the trash. He saw his neighbor and they begin small talk. And the neighbor asked him, he said, hey, Joel, you guys seen a cat? Well, uh, yeah, we have actually seen a cat. Why do you ask? And he said, well, last week I bought my daughter a cat. She climbed in the tree in the front yard. And I couldn't get the cat to come down. And, and, and I've, I've heard stories about you can call the fire department, but I'm not going to lay my man card down to come get an animal out of the tree. I'm going to get this animal out of the tree myself. And so the only thing that I knew to do is I got a rope and I tied it around. I threw it, lassoed it up there, threw it around the branch, and I tied the rope to my truck bumper and I was going to pull it down a little bit so maybe the cat would jump off some of you are prophetic because you can see where this is going I can feel it the neighbor goes on and said I didn't realize that the rope uh, was a little frayed and all of a sudden (laughs) that branch shot that cat clean over the top of our house And it looked like it was going towards your backyard. (laughs) The little girl got to keep the cat. Simple illustration. Simple faith. What would happen in our world if we begin to believe up and think up? And just expect up and just understand that the God of all existence wants to bless us. That the God of all existence wants to just lift us up and love on us. What What would your life begin to be like if you understood that the God of all existence wants to meet your every need every day of your life? He is able. Everybody say, He is able. To help you overcome your mindset of defeatism and raise up your mindset into a state of belief. So that's what I've come to tell you tonight. You don't have to live in a defeatism mentality. One day longer, you can get your head up, you can get your heart up, you can start looking up. You can be transformed from an underdog into an overcomer because he loves you that much. Would you just say, he loves me that much? He loves me that much. He really, really does. While His love for us is invincible in its essence, His blessings upon us are invincible in their reception. Both His blessings and His love empower us to overcome anything and everything that hell and all of its devils can throw against us. Now here is where I want you to really lean in and listen to what I'm about to challenge you with here tonight. And it's so simple. And it's very simply this. The Lord wants to make you an overcomer. He doesn't want you to live the life of an underdog anymore. He wants to make you an overcomer. 
He wants to shift your mindset from thinking that everything is always wrong to where you start to understand that with him, everything is always going to be all right. He wants to bless you. Is that okay if, he just, if I can just say he wants to bless you? The idea of blessing is rooted in the, in the ancient instructions that God gave Israel. The Lord said in Numbers chapter 6, it's this thing called an Aaronic benediction. He, he's, he's speaking and he says, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you tour, tour, to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This practice of conferring this divine blessing in the name of the Lord is what separated Israel from the people around them during the centuries of their history. And the God of the universe, get this, the God of the universe turned his face towards them to smile upon them. He poured out favor upon them. He poured out supernatural grace. And I have in my notes, what a privilege, what a privilege to live under the Lord's favor, to daily experience His blessings. What a God He was, and I believe that He's still in the blessing business tonight. In fact, the story of God is the telling of God revealing His intense desire to bless every man and every woman He's ever created. And if this surprises you, I only ask you to consider the fact that this, listen to me, love always desires to bless the object of its affection. Love always desires to bless the object of its affection. I'm reminded of this every Christmas morning that our family gathers together to celebrate because whenever we gather together, I'm not thinking about the gifts that I will receive. Like most parents, like most grandparents, that's the last thing on my mind. Instead, I'm looking and watching my children unwrap those things that we have prepared for them. My joy comes from giving, not receiving. So ask yourself... If God loves you, and let me tell you, he does, then you are the object of his affection. You are the recipient of his blessings. Now, that's not saying that you're not going to have Mondays and your breath's not going to smell bad and your hair's going to look terrible. That's not saying that you're not going to have some issues that you're going to have to work through from time to time, but that's saying that God wants to bless you. And you're going to have more good days than you're going to have bad days. This explains why the Hebrew word called Barak and its derivatives are used more than 330 times in the Old Testament alone. It's the word for bless or blessing and it's a bestowal, not just of the raises that we say, Lord, why don't you bless me? And we we want that pay raise, but this is something much more valuable. It's a spiritual blessing. The word is first mentioned in Genesis 1 and 22 regarding the creatures of the sea. I don't think I have it up on the screen, but God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters of the sea. So let me tell you, if God desires to bless the seahorses and the starfish, just think of his interest in blessing you, the creatures that were made in his image. The fact is he wants to bless you. He wants to see you win. He wants to see you victorious. He wants to change you. He wants to cover your past and change your future. He wants to shift your thinking from an underdog mentality into one that I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. When we speak of being saved by God and being used by God, when we speak boldly 
of stepping into our spiritual destinies, often the excuse that holds us back is a word called insecurity. Simply put, I don't think that we truly fathom that we have full permission to be saved by God and be used by God. I think most of us think that that's just for some other people, but I really don't think that I can fully be saved by God, and I really don't know if I can fully be used by God. We don't grasp the fact that even if life is against us, God is still for us. Far too often, if the world doesn't defeat us, then we do a good job of defeating ourselves. Our insecurities keep us from being everything God wants us to be. Our insecurities keep us from living out our destinies. In the Bible, there was a character by the name of Moses, and he almost let his insecurities stop God's miraculous work in him and through him. Whenever you think about a man that God is going to use to deliver his chosen people out of the confines of slavery in Egypt, you think of celebrity tones and superhero-type situations. You think of someone wearing a cape whenever you think of someone who's going to do something awesome like that. I mean, there's been movies made about this fellow. There's, there's been shows, animated pictures made about him. There's, there's been flannel graphs in many a Sunday school class where, where he's put up on the wall there. And I just want to tell you, there's even a bobblehead made after him. And ladies and gentlemen, when you get to the state in life where you got a bobblehead made after you, you've made it pretty good. <laughs> the problem is it's easy for us to think of Moses as being perfect, though. The problem is it's easy for us to think of him as always being a strong leader and always being ever spiritually amazing in every way. But what we're about to see real quickly in this time that we have remaining is that God chose to deliver his people with someone who didn't have it all figured out. God chose to to use somebody to affect millions of people's lives from someone who didn't have it all put together. Our story picks up in Exodus. If you've got your Bibles or your iPads or your phones, go there. We're going to read several scriptures out of there. But here's the story. Here's the setting real quick. They're in Egypt. Children of Israel are in slavery and they're gaining in number. And there's this fellow by the name of Pharaoh. And he says, in order to keep them from taking over all of Egypt, we're going to declare that Every Hebrew newborn is going to be killed. And so Moses is birthed. He's, he's born into this world and his mom puts him in a river in a basket and he's, he's saved, but I want you to understand, he, he, he kind of starts off life as an underdog. He's got a speech defect. He's got a stuttering problem that uh, could not have helped his self-esteem. He, he, he made a mistake. He got in a fight with a man, and the man died, and he buried him. And Moses runs out through the desert, and he's a fugitive on the run. So for 40 years, he disappeared. He's out of sight. He's out of mind. He's out of commission. He's a murderer. He's a fugitive. In Moses' mind, he's got a rap sheet that's going to disqualify him from ever being used by God. Basically, this explains that Moses was an underdog. And then comes this tipping point in the story. On the screen, in your notes, if you have them there, Exodus chapter 3. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. You've heard the story if you've been around church much at all. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. I love how it's, because that's exactly what I would think there too. Why the bush does not burn up? Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. So in this supernatural encounter, God says, I want you to go to Egypt. And listen, I want you to facilitate the freedom for the entire nation of Israel. And Moses basically gave the basic reply that my youngest daughter gives 97% of the time whenever I ask her to do something. And it's this. She says, wait, what? 
If she said that phrase one time, two times in her life, she said it 97,000 times. She's got this disease called selective hearing. And you can ask her to clean a room, and then you can threaten her life. Still doesn't get her attention. But then you threaten to take the iPhone. She goes like, like, but you tell her something, she's like, wait, what? And that's what Moses did. Moses said, wait, wait, what? Because Moses was insecure. Moses was incapable. Moses was not an overcomer. Moses must have been thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you just say, God? I could have sworn that you just said you wanted me to go and free the entire nation of slaves on your behalf. No offense, God, but are you crazy? And how we say it out in the gang life and on Twitter and whatnot, because I'm so in, in the loop of everything, everything all the time. Are you cray-cray? <laughs> See? Told you you were going to love me tonight. You can tweet that, cray-cray, hashtag cray-cray. Do you have any idea what I've done, God? Do you have any idea who I am? I know you're sovereign and all. I know you made the world and all. I know you're all-knowing, but I'm pretty sure we're making a mistake right here. I'm pretty sure that the smoke from the small brush fire going over the back there in the desert has clouded your vision because I am clearly not your man. You ever felt like Moses? Maybe you felt a tug on your heart for something. Maybe you felt a burden for a certain group of people. Maybe an idea that, that could make a difference in your workplace or your school or your world. But, but maybe like Moses, you felt that God must just be talking to the wrong person. Maybe you've even given, we're all good at this. You don't have to raise your hand. I know every one of you is going to agree with this. Maybe you've given God a list of all the reasons why this is a terrible idea. Maybe you let all your insecurities hold you back. That's what Moses did, but that's what we must not do. So let me quickly preach two points of application. Two insecurities that Moses had to get over. Number one, Moses had to get over his credibility issues. Exodus 13, 3 and 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And then they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses felt insecure because he thought he, he felt insecure because he thought that he lacked credibility. In a sense, his insecurity kind of made sense to him. Mean, he's fixing to go to a ruler of the world and he's going to say, "Hey, let, I know you got all these millions of slaves that are like doing all sorts of wonderful things for your gross national product, but would you let them go because I'm asking you to?" I mean, it sounded kind of preposterous whenever you think about it, really. And and word surely spread about the spoiled rich kid who was not raised in slavery like everybody else. And oh yeah, don't forget that he had killed somebody. In Moses' mind, he had a serious credibility issue, but God's response directly and divinely addressed the issue. Exodus 3 and 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites. I am has sent you. The translation of that is on the screen. God told Moses his credibility had nothing to do with his capability. It had everything to do with God's ability. God wanted Moses to know that his credibility didn't come from who he was or what kind of a past that he had. His credibility comes from the fact that he had had an encounter with God Almighty. 
Again, let me ask you, you ever been like Moses? You ever, you ever, you ever questioned your, your, your credibility issues? You ever felt insecure about your lack of credibility? Perhaps you thought, I don't have enough experience. I wasn't raised in church. I don't know all the ups and the downs and the ins and outs. I don't have the upbringing or the expertise that some of these folks have. If so, then you need to hear me well whenever I tell you that God is your credibility. He is the great I am. He is the one that can save you. He is the one that can use you. He is the one that when all of life is against you, he is still for you. He is the one who validates and endorses and originates all that he is calling you to do. So if you feel that you lack credibility in order to operate in the supernatural, welcome to the club. That's why it's called the supernatural because if you could do it in the natural, you would do it on your own volition. But we're talking about a level of living that's above the natural. We're talking about learning to walk in the Spirit and and flow in the Spirit and and hear in the Spirit and operate in the Spirit. We're talking about existing in a realm that you can't do on your... Something that's above your pay grade, ladies and gentlemen. It's not your credibility that makes a difference. It's His ability in you and through you that's going to make the difference. So back to Him and His insecurity and His lack of credibility. In chapter 4, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me? And what if they don't listen to me? And I love how he's questioning God. What if, what if? And what if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? Basically, the story reveals that Moses was worried that he wouldn't be able to prove that this leadership idea was a God idea. Perhaps you've wrestled with a lack of proof in your own desire to be used by God in some great way. Perhaps you've thought, I want to do something great for the kingdom of God, but my track record won't hold up. I'm new to this whole concept of walking in the Spirit. I'm new to this whole concept of operating in the Spirit. I don't know how all this works yet. My life experience doesn't line up with what I'm feeling to do in my heart. If so, I'm here to tell you there's loads of hope in knowing that when we lack credibility in the natural, we can still walk confidently in the supernatural. It's the supernatural that we're after. It's called faith. It's not called you. It's called faith. Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, we have the ability to step out and chase after dreams and be used mightily by God whenever there's not a lot of evidence in the natural ability. Look at this, Exodus 4, starting again back in verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. You've heard this. If you've been around church, I get this. But listen, Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. I would like to insert there, well done, Moses. It's a snake. A snake is what the devil used to come down here. The snake is is as bad as it gets. It's a snake. I digress. The Lord said to them, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Wait, what? (laughs) So Moses reached out and he took a hold of the snake and turned back into a staff. Verse 5, this, said the Lord, is that so that they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. If this was me, get this, if this was me, and my natural ability. And, 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 and God said, hey, Russ. Yeah, what's up, God? Come here, okay? I want you to, this is God talking. I'll change. I want you to go to Israel. I want you to lead this entire nation of people out of slavery and captivity. Wait, what? Yes, you're going to be able to do it. How am I going to be able to do it? What's that in your hand? 
It's a, it's a rod. It's, I walk with it. Throw it on the ground. Throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake. Here's what I would do. I would go back to Israel and I would say, Hey, Israel, I talked to God. He says, y'all got to stay here. Because <laughs> it's a snake. <laughs> now you picking up a snake. God gave Moses the evidence that he was looking for. Right in the palm of his hand. God did not ask, listen please. God did not ask Moses to elevate into an operation of the supernatural by doing something and in, 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 in this, this facilitating of something that he did not have access to. He said, you've already got in your hand what you need in order to accomplish what I'm calling you to accomplish. God positioned Moses to be able to prove that God was with him anywhere and any time. And all he had to do was realize what he already had tapped into. All he had to do was realize what God had already given him. What would happen, CLC, if every one of us would realize what we have tapped into? What if we would realize the power and the authority that comes with us when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit? What if we begin to operate in something that is above the natural and it's called the supernatural? What if we could do that? What if we could do that? You would move from thinking that you're an underdog and you would realize that I am an overcomer. I got to hurry, but that's what we, that's what we do. We, we think that God is inviting us to something, but then we'll think that God's not equipping us to go where he's calling us to go. And so what we do is we get frustrated and we just kind of start running in circles thinking that we're just waiting on something to come, this lightning bolt to come down from heaven and it's just going to change us into something. And he's like, I've already done it for you. I've already given it to you. Realize what you have. Man. It, re- it reminds me of whenever the disciples are in the boat and the, the, and the, and the waves come and, the, and, and everybody's freaking out. We're going to die. We're going to die. And they went down and they went down and they said, Master, Master, you got to come up here and help us. We said, real quick, just real quick. It's not in my notes. Real quick. Jesus came up and he said, peace, be still. Okay, listen, listen, listen. He was in the boat the whole time. All they had to do was realize Jesus is in the boat with us already. All they had to do was realize the power that they had access to. If you could realize what's already been given to you. 
If you would realize the authority that you have been, that you've been placed into to walk into, to just, to just go where you only the Spirit of God can lead you and you can accomplish the things that only the Spirit of God would allow you to accomplish, you already have that ability. Realize it. Embrace it. And go forward with it. Number two. I am so out of time. The second insecurity Moses had that he had to get over was a personal flaw. Moses threw one more excuse at God, and this time it was personal. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He had a speech impediment, in other words. Moses' final pushback had to do with his stuttering problem. He was worried about his inability to speak clearly and it would be detrimental to seeing the vision of God come to pass. It was a personal hang-up. It was, it was something that he had to work on. But, oh, I love how God replies. Look at Exodus 4, starting in verse 11. The Lord said to him, and I, could just, I can just see him kind of getting a little bit of a kind of sideways attitude, kind of cocking his and said, who... Gave, kind of Bill Cosby-like. Who gave human beings their mouth? He's kind of, I like the Bill Cosby thing. It's working kind of like a Jell-O commercial like he used to do. Who told you that you couldn't do what God is calling you to do? Look, he says, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! And I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And I'm out of time, but let me ask you. What's your excuse? What's that, what's that thing that, that you're holding on to that you can always play that card? Russ, go to Zimbabwe and plant a vegetable garden for the people that are hungry and make baby dolls for people who don't have toys and give bubble gum to people with teeth or whatever. Okay, I can do that. I got some Bubba Bubba at the house. I, can, I like a good zucchini. I mean, who doesn't? You know, I could do that. Russ, go to Egypt. Go to the Pharaoh. Tell him to let everybody go. But wait a minute, God. There's that trump card that I always like to play. Ready? I'm fixing to punch you so hard you had no idea it was coming. What about... What about that addiction that I can't quite lay down? What, what, about that lack of, what about that lack of knowledge of the word that I just kind of... What, 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 I can't sing real good, God, and, and I can't deal real good with people, God, and I just you, you just... you throw down excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And he's saying if you will just lay those down... 
I'm going to bring you from being how you think like you're an underdog and I'm going to make you an overcomer. What's your personal flaw? It's not allowing you to understand that you have permission to be saved by God and used by God. What's that one thing that you have yet to wholly give to Him that you're just holding on and no one knows about it? It's that one little thing that you don't even have to say it really out loud. You just kind of keep it right here in the pocket and you're just like, God, I'll pull it out. I'll pull it out right now. Don't you ask me to do something big. I will, I will, I will take it out. It's like a mama fixing to whip you with a switch. I will get that wooden spoon out, boy. And God is inviting it. God is inviting us into greatness. And we're like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. And he's like, no, you can do it. You can do it. I've already given you the power and the authority to do it. Just step up. Get out there and get after it. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to empower you to do it. And if the musicians will come, that'll make me hurry up and stop. I got one more thing to tell you, though. If you have felt, please listen, please listen. If you have felt like any part of this little lesson, this little sermon tonight has, has somehow just kind of resonated with you, I'm, I'm asking you to hear me one, one final time. And I want you to listen to me. It's not a play on words, but just listen to me. The story of the underdog is always a story about the underdog. Right? I'm going to say it again. The story of the underdog is always about the story of the underdog. Here's what I'm saying. The story of the underdog is never the story about a loser. Okay? Every great sports analogy that you could pull out of the air, every great movie, every great, that's how we started. Every, every, every person that you thought could never become victorious. Can I tell you that you don't tell those stories if they lost the game? The story of the underdog is always the story of an underdog, which means the story of the underdog is always a story about victory. Look at me in the eyes. Pretend it's just you and me sitting at Starbucks over a grande skinny vanilla latte and it's just this wonderful thing of heaven. And can I tell you, you are not a loser. You're not a loser. I don't care how many people have told you that you're a loser. I don't care how many people have looked at you in the face and giggled whenever you've shared your dreams. You are not a loser. You're not a loser. You're not a loser. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me. I want you to put your hand right here on your chest and I want you to say, I received this word into my heart tonight. Do that with your right hand. Put your other hand up in the air. Close your eyes and say, Lord, I received this word into my heart right now. Lift your other hand and let me pray for you. Lord, right now, all across this building. Thank you for listening. For more information about Christian Life Austin, please visit clcaustin.com. And for more information about Pastor Russ Cripps, please visit acaciachurch.com.